Hello friends, welcome to the show. On today's solo cast, I'm going to discuss shoes worn for running. A lot of people have been sending me ads lately for what are being sold as running shoes, but would probably have more in common with moon boots or hovercrafts than anything you should be covering your feet with. But um, I wanted to share some thoughts to help cut through some of the confusion and the bullshit out there um, and just talk about shoes worn for running. And I didn't call them running shoes because as we're going to talk about, any shoe can be worn for running. Okay, it's not a specific type of shoe that you need to use. So the target audience for this episode is going to be runners or also people who work with runners in the world of, you know, for example, running coaching, uh, rehab, if you treat a lot of runners or even medicine, if you see a lot of running injuries. Uh, this episode of the show is sponsored by TFC Shop. What the heck is TFC Shop, you might ask? It's our online-based store where the Foot Collective sells any product that we consider to be of value when you're looking to improve your health. Whether it's natural footwear, including shoes for running, uh, toe spreaders, or balance beams, TSC Shop is basically a one-stop shop for products that are good for your feet, good for your body, and good for your health. Uh, we test and use every product that we sell, and we're on a constant mission to keep improving the customer experience as we grow. Um, you can check out tfc-shop.com to see what we offer. All right, let's dig into the topic today, uh, which is going to be shoes for running. It's the TFC audio project so i didn't say like i said before i didn't say running shoes because i don't really think there is such a thing you know there's footwear um, and there's footwear that you can use for the activity of running and there's a few features that might be desirable in a shoe that you're going to wear for running like for example lightweight right if something's really heavy and clunky on your foot and it has a high swing weight it's going to affect how you move uh, i think breathable is another good feature to look for in running shoes just so that your feet don't sweat a huge amount if you're gonna be running for long periods of time you're gonna be active your feet might sweat it's nice to have something that lets a little bit of airflow in there to stop your shoes from stinking and your feet from getting uh drenched but other than that you know any shoe that's good for the foot is good to run in uh and if you have a body that moves well and is is adapted to what you're asking for it uh or what you're asking of it rather uh then any shoe is a running shoe okay so let's start with a really simple question what is a shoe um, and I won't go too simple here. And some of this might be repetitive if you've heard other podcasts, but I think it's a good refresher. So what's a shoe? A shoe, also known as footwear, is a piece of clothing that you wear over your feet. Okay. The, reasons, the reason that humans wear clothing is to protect the body from the environment. So the role of footwear is to protect your foot from cuts, scrapes, temperature extremes. Um, and when you get into specific footwear, like protective footwear, maybe from impacts. Okay. So optimal shoes or natural footwear don't change how your feet function. They don't stop motion from happening where motion should be happening. They don't interfere with your foot being able to feel the ground and they don't change the orientation of your foot and your ankle when you're resting. Okay, so that's what a shoe is. It's a piece of clothing. We use it to protect our feet from damage and they shouldn't affect the function or capacity of the foot to do what it's supposed to do. So let's start by going over just quickly what we consider to be the four focal things to look for when you buy shoes which includes running shoes, right? This is no different. A shoe, um, whether it's used for running or used for CrossFit or used just for walking around, same features, okay? So number one is wide. The mnemonic is WTFF, okay? What the frick footwear? That's an easy way to remember it. So W is wide, widest at the tip of the toes, wide enough to avoid compressing the foot laterally, um, not pointed, right? Which is basically every shoe that exists today. Uh, and really, if you put your bare foot beside a shoe, the shoe should not be more narrow than the foot in its natural barefoot state. Okay, if it is, it's going to compress your foot. That's a W. 
T is thin. Your foot is a sensor, needs to be able to feel the ground. So the thinner the sole, the better. Okay, F is flat. There's literally no need for an elevated heel on footwear apart from cowboy boots. It's the only exception. Uh, and having an elevated heel comes at the expense of your alignment and your posture, right? So don't stand on a ramp, stand on flat ground. That's what we're adapted to do. The last one is flexible. Each of your feet has 33 joints and they're all supposed to move. That's why joints exist. There's supposed to be motion there. So a stiff shoe creates a stiff foot, which creates a weak foot. And over time, it creates an over-reliance on things like your plantar fascia to hold up your body against gravity because your bones are stiff and can't align well and the muscles don't work. If the joints don't move, the muscles don't have a job to do. So a stiff foot is a weak foot, is typically a dysfunctional, painful foot. Okay, and it all starts by wearing stiff shoes. So wear a flexible shoe that, you know, if you, you should be able to bend, you should be able to twist. The shoe needs to be able to move in order for your foot to move like a foot's supposed to move. Okay, um, so let's talk about shoes from one for running. And specifically today, I'm only going to talk about really one feature, um, which is the, I, I think the biggest problem um, today and something that, you know, big companies love to take advantage of. And I'm going to talk about cushioning and the effect on, on, you know, the effect that cushioning has on how you run because it does have a big effect. Okay, so Mike and I spoke the other day and we're going to plan another Shop Talk episode on running. Um, that's going to happen soon just to update everyone on what we've learned since the last running episode. So today, instead of talking about you know, we're going to cover injury mitigation, things you can do to work on the movement of running things that you're doing that you might not think are stopping you from running well, but are probably doing that. Um, but today we're just going to talk about cushioning and why it's dangerous. Okay. So uh, probably a good place to start is that, you know, anything placed between the foot and the ground that distorts your sensory input will change how you move and how you interact with the ground, right? Put something between your foot and the ground and it's gonna change how your brain acknowledges the ground, okay? So simply, foot, simply put, um, cushioning changes how you run and allows you to move in ways that are not aligned to how your body has been adapted to run over thousands of years, right? The human body is literally a running machine. We are amazingly adapted and have all these cool technologies like an ankle that has a lot of range of motion to act as uh, to, to provide a lot of travel for our springs the springs are the achilles tendon and the calf tissues these things that are really thick dense elastic tissues that can absorb impact store it and re-release it it's really cool um and you know the easiest way to see how cushioning affects how you interact with the ground is probably with an example so you know with this example if you don't believe me try it yourself if you can record it in slow motion with your phone, even better, and it'll make it even more obvious. So the example that we I typically give to people in terms of the effect of cushioning um, is that if you jumped from a one meter ledge, which is about three feet onto hard ground, you'll typically land in a way that optimally manages the impact load. Okay, you'll usually land on the ball of your foot. You'll allow the knee and the ankle and the hip to bend so that the tissues like the calf and Achilles tendon and your quads and muscles around your hip can help absorb the impact forces. So not only do these soft tissues absorb the impact forces, they actually store the energy. And if you jumped again after landing, you'd release that stored energy into the next jump and it would make you jump even higher. It's pretty cool. Okay, so if someone jumps from that same ledge onto a soft surface now, like a foam mat, for example, the need to officially manage the, the impact load when you land isn't there. And so you now have the option to land without absorbing the shock as well. Okay, you could land with your heels, landing first with your knees locked out. And if the mat was cushioned enough, you'd probably be okay, right? Um, if you did that on hard ground, you might fracture your heel bone or destroy your knee joint. Okay, and here's the thing. 
just because you don't fracture your heel on the cushion surface, the impact forces that you didn't absorb with the natural mechanisms, like letting your ankle absorb the impact, letting your Achilles tendon load up, these natural mechanisms in the body that you didn't use because you had cushioning and you were allowed to land with your heel first, ends up getting translated upstream to your joints, right? To your knees, to your hips, to your spine, all the way up to your neck. Everything's connected, right? So let's go back to running now. Running is essentially a series of single leg jumps and you basically bound from one leg to the next in order to move forward. So it's a series of jumps. And so impact forces, every time you land, it's about three and a half times your body weight. That's how much force is coming down with each landing. Okay. So one of the things we look at when we screen runners is how well do you do, for example, a single leg mini squat? Can you do 15 of them on each side without your knee caving in, without falling over? Because if you can't do 15 miniature single leg squats, okay, under controlled conditions, under one time your body weight, how are you going to do thousands of them? under three and a half times your body weight and expect not to get hurt if your knee caves in or if you lose your balance. Okay, so very, very important. We need, to, we need to look at running as a skilled movement that is almost like a pyramid of skill. At the bottom, you have balance. You have basic ability to stabilize your joints, enough mobility, enough motion at all your parts so that you can actually adopt these archetypal movement patterns that we use with running. And at the very top, you have high-level training, right? Running mileage, sprints, all that kind of stuff. A lot of people don't have the base of the pyramid and are focusing a lot of energy into the peak of the pyramid and they're all getting hurt, right? This is why 75% of runners get hurt once a year. That's a shocking stat and it doesn't need to be that way. And it's not all because of footwear, but footwear does play a role in this, which is why I wanted to record this today. So how you run is by far the most important factor relating to the performance, to your performance and to injury mitigation. Okay. Much more important than the shoes you wear, but for most people, Shoes significantly change the way that you run and allow you to run inefficiently without getting the reminder, right? The reminder not to heel strike when you're running barefoot, it hurts. So you're not allowed to run with a heel strike because it's inefficient. It doesn't absorb impacts very well. And so the reminder is, wow, it really hurts when I land with my heel first. So I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to land on the ball of my foot. And not only does it bring you away from the harmful, painful pattern, but it actually brings you towards a much more efficient pattern, right? You shorten your stride up you land instead of in front of you, underneath you, much more efficient, okay? So heel striking refers to the heel of the foot being the primary contact point with each stride, right? It's super unnatural. You know, think of, uh, think Barney Rebel, right? When Barney's in his car from the Flintstones, um, he, if he wants to break, he drives his heels into the ground. He locks his knee out, he puts his heel into the ground, and that essentially slows his forward momentum. Okay, now if you want to move forward, or if you want to accelerate, you do not drive your heels into the floor. And yet ev almost every single running advertisement I've ever seen shows a picture of someone with a big smile on, big, highly cushioned shoes on, and they're doing a nice old heel strike. So their foot is landing in front of their body, heel first. Um, and this is, it's, I always found this very weird, right? Companies that are literally spending money and making money selling running shoes understand virtually nothing about the mechanics of running because that is not how humans are adapted to run. That is not how you run in order to not get hurt. That is not how you run in order to perform at an optimal level. Now, some people will say, well, well, this person heel strikes when they run. Okay. A lot of people do silly things. And just because someone that performs at a high level does something, it doesn't mean it's an efficient way to do things, right? What if they didn't heel strike? They would probably get hurt way less and they would probably perform better. Okay. Look at all the elite runners, distance runners. Look at Kipchoge. He does not heel strike. Okay. And this is kind of part of the problem, right? Then 
you know, someone like Elliot Kipchoge, who's grown up running his entire life, probably spent most of his younger life running barefoot or in footwear that is virtually nothing. It's just to protect his foot, if anything. Um, he runs that same way when he runs now. So he can wear a 4% vapor fly. He can wear a heavily cushioned Nike shoe because he doesn't heel strike. He runs like he did when he was younger. Here's the thing. That shoe is being sold. That shoe is being shown. Okay, LA Kipchoge can run faster with this shoe. Not everyone runs like LA Kipchoge. Okay, if they did, people would be breaking the two-hour barrier all the time. It doesn't happen, right? So don't think that because he wears a shoe that lets him run a bit faster, that's highly cushioned, that you are going to run A, in the same way that he does, two, faster, or three, in a way that's safe for your body, right? So heel striking is unnatural, inefficient, injury promoting, and yet most people heel strike when they wear cushioned shoes. Most people. In fact, the elevated heel that comes from jamming an air bubble or a piece of foam under the heel actually promotes heel striking. And that's pretty crazy, right? You know, that's that's when kids start to lose the ability to run like humans is when they start wearing heavily padded, cushioned footwear. Then they start to run in this very weird way. And I shouldn't say it's just the footwear because it also corresponds to a point where they start to sit a lot in schools. So they lose the ability for their hip to move like a hip's supposed to move. They're not moving as much. So the quality of their movement goes down. Their footwear does weird things to their feet and covers it in padding, which allows them to slam into the ground without getting heel pain. Okay, but as an adult, here's the thing. When you run with a heel strike, it doesn't hurt your heel. But, you know, five years later or a decade later and your knees start to hurt and your hips start to hurt and then you go to the doctor and they tell you you've got osteoarthritis and you have to stop running, that is the prolonged effect of kicking of kicking the can down the road and not addressing the flaws in how you're running um, and not having not wearing footwear that allows you to get those signals so that you do change how you run. Okay, so in summary, let's go through a brief summary here. Any shoe can be a running shoe if it protects your foot without changing how it functions, right? Natural footwear. This is the footwear that humans should be wearing to cover their feet. Anything else is going to it's going to promote problems, right? The reality is that almost every foot problem that we see in clinic and in physio clinic is caused primarily by footwear, not your genetics. Okay, things that run in your family don't mean they run in your genetic code. They mean that you're all wearing the same kind of shitty footwear. Okay, so most things are caught, most foot problems, 70, and I think, I think 75% of people in North America will develop foot pain at some point in their lives. That seems like it corresponds way too tightly to the running injury stat, but um, it, those numbers are, are, are based around kind of a factual number that I've seen from a vetted source. Um, most people develop foot pain and, and almost none of those people are aware that the shoes they put on and buy every year are the things that are causing their foot problems. So our mission is just to improve awareness. We don't tell people what to wear on their feet. We don't judge them for their footwear, but we at least make sure that there's a counterbalance to the commercial you know, entities, these big companies that are selling people footwear that is literally damaging their feet and damaging their movement. So we just want to be a force for information so that the awareness is out there so that people have the ability to make whatever choices they want, but they can at least be well-informed in order to make those choices. Okay, so any shoe can be a running shoe if it protects the foot without changing how it moves. Cushioning in shoes softens the impact on your heel bone, but harshens the impact on the rest of your joints because it allows you to run without managing impact forces very well, which is promoted heavily when you wear cushioned shoes. Okay, switching to natural footwear is a super simple and yet a really powerful way to clean up your running technique, but and this is a big but. If you've been running in stiff, ramped, cushioned footwear for your entire life, 
it is going to take some time for your body to relearn natural running technique, right? It's going to take some time to achieve a baseline level of conditioning in your feet and to develop a tolerance in your calf and your Achilles tendon so that they have the capacity to actually act like a spring, right? That's what they're there for. That's, that's why our Achilles tendon is so thick compared to even most other primates is because we are adapted to be running machines. But if you've never used your Achilles tendon as a spring or as a shock absorber because you heel strike, you are starting from square one. And if you went to bench press tomorrow and you had never done it before, you would not load two plates on the bar and think that you could just do it. You would start extremely light. Okay, you'd start with the bar and then you'd add a little bit more weight and then you'd recover and you'd add a little bit more. Running needs to be treated as a movement skill something that requires progressive and gradual adaptation, especially if you're starting with a brand new running technique, which will be much better and sustainable and, and allow for higher performance in the long run, but might require you to reduce your distances and reduce your mileage or running frequency in the short term. And if you're not willing to make the short-term sacrifice for the long-term benefit, then you end up on this constant carousel of getting injured, recovering, getting injured, recovering. And I think at a certain point in time, it just becomes so frustrating that people essentially are like, well, I have nothing to lose by trying something different. And when people commit to natural footwear, to cleaning up their running technique, to becoming a mover, so they're not just a sedentary runner, they're not sitting all day and then going out for a run because they love running, nothing wrong with loving running. Just make sure that it's not causing you more suffering than, than benefit, okay? Um, it's not if you should switch to shoes without cushioning, it's how you should switch. And, you know, our mission is... At some point, we're going to have a running research team when TFC has more resources, um, and we'll be doing our best to make the information available to help guide you from a heavily cushioned shoe with a heel striking technique over to a minimal to, or ideally zero cushion shoe um, with a much more efficient running technique uh, where you're basically just catching your fall, short strides, um, you know, the pose method or the running revolution um, book by Nicholas Romanov is a great book. Running Rewired by Jay DeSherry is another fantastic book. And if you're a runner and you're in it for the long game, research and learn about running. It is a very powerful way to inform yourself and to be your own, you know, to be your own physiotherapist, to be your own doctor. Because at the end of the day, you're the only person that feels what your body's feeling. You have the ability to course correct and change what you're doing uh, every single day right? It gets very expensive to go see a professional every single day that actually can't feel what you're feeling in your body. So become your best therapist, become your best doctor by just, you know, li listen and learn from pain. Pain is a signal that's telling you you're doing something wrong or you're not quite ready for to do that yet. And if you ignore it, you know, pain always starts as a whisper. It kind of whispers and says, yeah, you know, something's going on down here. Um, and then it gets louder and then it gets louder and the more you suppress it, either with pain meds or you just kind of ignore it and work through it, it eventually turns into a scream and the scream stops you from being able to do what you love to do. So address it when it's a whisper, listen to pain. It's an amazing teacher if you just listen to it. It's just we've been basically programmed to look at pain as a hassle or something to get rid of. Um, you know, that's basically what our medical and rehab system revolves around, controlling and managing symptoms, but never addressing root cause. You know, and the reality is that health professionals simply aren't trained to address root cause. It's not taught to them in schools. You know, that's a problem we're trying to, um, or we are addressing with the Footner program, you know, slowly building uh, a, a health knowledge database that's decentralized, um, that essentially takes in shared input from, you know, right now we're at over 100 foot nerds around the world.
And all of these people come from different backgrounds, you know, medical backgrounds, rehab backgrounds, movement coaching backgrounds. Um, and they each share their experience with patients, their personal experience. Uh, and together we have, you know, meaningful conversations and thoughtful disagreements to determine what the truth is, right? What should we be teaching people? Uh, what should we be sharing, right? And this essentially goes into creating this curriculum that is constantly evolving. It's digital. So as soon as someone has a better way of doing something, we put it in there right away, right? It changes every week as opposed to a textbook that takes you two years to write. And when it comes out and is published, it's already outdated. That's a silly way of doing things, especially in the world of health. Um, anyway, got on a bit of a tangent there, but the reality is we have to, you have to look at running as a long-term project. You have to listen to your body. Um, and if anything, if you're going to see someone for guidance, which there's nothing wrong with doing, but go see someone that understands running, right? Go see a runner and ask them how frequently they get injured. Cause if they're getting injured all the time, who are they to tell you what to do to not get injured? Right? That's very important. Um, so it's not, if you should switch, it's how you should switch. I promise you it's worth the investment. Um, and the last thing I want to say is that, you know, companies like Hoka, like Nike, uh, they have a lot of money to spend on convincing you that their space boots or hovercrafts you know, are the newest, awesomest thing that are going to help you be a better runner. But the truth is that heavily cushioned, stiff, narrow, ramped shoes are doing a lot of harm, right? They, they seriously are. Uh, they aren't doing it on purpose. These companies aren't trying to harm you. Uh, at least I hope they aren't. But they really need to change how they make shoes because it's costing runners their health. Um, and it's all done for the sake of making profits, right? So learn about your body. Learn about human, how humans naturally run experiment with your running, um, experiment with running in natural footwear, or going out for a barefoot run in a field, you know, run in shoes without cushioning and see how it feels. Right. And every time you buy a shoes, vote with your dollars, right? Every single time you buy a pair of footwear, you're voting as to what kind of footwear you want to be available on the market. And if you become informed and you help others become informed, how you vote and what you buy determines what's available on the market. And we need better options. They're slowly coming about, but we need more. Um, we need more options that are more affordable, better made, just a higher, we need a higher standard really in how things are made so that, you know, we need to have a massive amount of footwear available. That's good for you. That's good for your feet. That's good for the planet, you know, and that are made sustainably. Like these are, this is, that should be this, the gold standard. Uh, and right now it's just, the bar is really low. So, you know, we're going to play our part in helping to spread awareness for the companies doing great things. Um, but you need to vote with your dollars. That's how change happens. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. If you're a runner, uh, if it was, please share it with fellow runners or your running community. So they have a chance to make a better choice with the next pair of shoes they buy and, uh, hopefully are, you know, inspired to learn about running and to just be open-minded to experiment because if you're getting injured every year, you have nothing to lose by trying something different. Even if it means swallowing your pride, um, postponing the next race and, you know, reducing your mileage, no one ever looked back and said, I wish I would have done that three times as fast and gotten injured 10 times. Right? So play, be the turtle, not the hare, the long game, the slow, gradual improvements, improving your understanding, improving your capacity. That's really how you become an amazing runner. And that's how you keep running into your seventies because it's possible but the way that we're making footwear today or the way that we're looking at running today, um, it's, it's going to be a really hard road for a lot of people to get there. So anyway, catch you next week. See ya.